From Public Radio International, this is The World. A co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH Boston. It's Wednesday, February 3rd. I'm Marco Werman. Today, it may have been at a British university that the Nigerian accused of trying to blow up a U.S. airliner became committed to jihad. Some Islamic students at the school say they've never come across Muslim radicals there. One security analyst finds that hard to believe. If they deny ever having come across a radical, they have lost all sight of the meaning of the word radical. I would put it the other way, that you're very unlikely to come across a student at an Islamic society who isn't a radical. Now this news. BBC News with David Austin. A ban preventing hundreds of candidates from standing in Iraq's parliamentary elections in March has been overturned in a move that could help defuse tensions before the vote. An appeals panel dismissed a decision by the Electoral Commission which had excluded around 500 people because of their alleged links to Saddam Hussein's Ba'ath Party. Gabriel Gatehouse reports from Baghdad. Although the list included candidates from across the sectarian divide, this decision will be seen primarily as a victory for Sunni politicians who'd felt disproportionately targeted by the ban. One of the most prominent among those is Saleh al-Mutlaq. A spokesman told the BBC that he welcomed the ruling. But there are those in Iraq who believe passionately that there's no place in public life for people with ties to the now outlawed Ba'ath Party, through which Saddam Hussein ruled Iraq for so many years. A Taliban bomb attack outside a girls' school in Pakistan has killed three American military personnel. Three schoolgirls and a Pakistani soldier also died in the blast, which happened close to the Afghan border. The United States Embassy in Pakistan said the servicemen had been training Pakistan's Frontier Corps, which is fighting militants in the tribal belt. Appeal judges have told the International Criminal Court to look again at whether the Sudanese president, Omar al-Bashir, should face charges of genocide over the conflict in Darfur. The judges reversed an earlier ruling which said prosecutors had provided not enough evidence for such charges to be brought. The court has already charged President Bashir with crimes against humanity in Darfur, but he refuses to recognise its jurisdiction. The chief prosecutor, Luis Moreno Ocampo, told the BBC the evidence of genocide was strong. President Bashir ordered his army to remove four million people to the desert to die. That's why it's a genocide. And the new evidence we have now is that after the court issued a decision, President Bashir expelled the human organizations. And that is confirming his intention is to destroy these people. The United Nations has started a campaign against sexual violence in the Southern Democratic Republic of Congo, where many of the attacks are linked to supernatural beliefs. The UN will be training police and judges in Katanga province to try to end impunity for sex offenders. Thomas Fessy reports from the provincial capital, Lubumbashi. Sexual violence is the most prevalent crime in Katanga, a province famous for its big copper and cobalt mines. Perpetrators are not in military uniform here, but are mostly civilians, small-time miners who haven't benefited much from the corporate mining profits. They are being told that they will get rich if they have sex with young girls. More than half the rape victims are teenagers. Despite national laws against sexual violence, many crimes go unpunished. Thomas Fessy reporting. World News from the BBC. 
Britain has opened a debate on the future shape of its armed forces amid big financial pressures and new strategic challenges. The government has released a discussion document, or green paper, suggesting ways to make the armed forces more adaptable. It says Britain's military would be more effective in the future if it worked more closely with NATO allies such as France. Caroline Wyatt reports. Strong armed forces that can project power across the globe are a crucial part of Britain's history. But whether they'll be its future is not as clear. The Green Paper does suggest the nation's best interests will be served by continuing to play an active global role, although that may depend on a subtler use of military power. The lessons learned in Iraq and Afghanistan are that most military operations are neither quick nor cheap, and that even the experts rarely manage to predict what or where the next conflict might be. So, the document says, agility and adaptability are the key. The former US President Bill Clinton